Welcome everybody, Merry Christmas, all of our campuses, Merry Christmas. Before I jump into Christmas with the Cranks, let me uh, remind you, you've already been reminded, 24 Christmas Eve services means we're going to need a lot of help, okay? So you got one of these volunteer things on your way in. We're going to need help, especially parking lot and kids programming, um, all these different things that we're going to be doing special during the holidays, and we're going to need your help. So if you can think about, I mean, think about when you're coming, please be praying about who you're going to invite. Um, but if you can jump in on another one or two and jump in and help us uh, in, the, in the ministry area, along the way. We got a, lot of, got a lot of lives to touch during this Christmas season. 24, it's more than we've ever done before. It's like, I don't know, three or four more than we've ever done before because God is doing amazing things around here and we want to make room. So Merry Christmas to you. I hope your uh, Thanksgivings were full of joy and reflection and action and all of those wonderful things. We had our family out in California, um, all of them. Like this is our uh, family photo we took. I mean, so that's... Uh, all of my family, plus uh, my son-in-law's family, the Carreras, and his sister and brother-in-law, the Shoemakers. So we had six kids at four, age four and under. Uh, we didn't all sleep in one house, but we rented a house so that we could all hang out together and, and you know, and have Thanksgiving. And it was weird in California. I mean, it do doesn't make any sense. You know, it, it doesn't feel right, but it made it easier on our California gang if we went and did that. And um, let me just ask you, I mean, how many of you took a, a, a Facebook picture or a Christmas card picture or something with your family over the holidays, all over campuses. Raise your hands, okay? It's just my time to remind you that, as Brad Paisley says, the internet is forever, okay? Uh, I'll just share with you some of the worst ones I've seen online. Um, that's a real Christmas card. For unto us a dog is born. I mean, at least it's not a cat, right? That would be sacrilegious. Um, how about this one? I love this. Survival of the fittest, I don't know. That's a real Christmas card, you guys. I, I, you know, I, how about the day dad got photoshopped? That's a good one, right? I love that. Or um, what dating site do you think these two met on? That's all I want to know. Merry Christmas to you all. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad they took it outside. That's where trees look natural, right? This one probably is my favorite, though. Yeah, because I can hear him now. He said, hey, honey, we're taking our picture in our pajamas. And he said, okay, this is how I sleep, right? The thing about Christmas pictures is what happens in a Christmas picture is all you see is what's there, right? You don't see what's going on underneath. I mean, this is our immediate family, the picture that we took. It's adorable. What you can't tell is that I'm sicker than a dog while this picture is going on, all right? I had bronchitis. I had that cough. I still have it. Whatever that thing is, it's going all around. See, my grandkids have been sick before we all got together, and my theory is that one of them figured out how much life insurance I have. And uh, this was an attempted assassination, you know, lick Papa. That's what they did the whole week. And so I was sick. You, you, you don't know what's going on underneath when you see a picture. We, we just see what's going on on the outside. And that's why if Christmas is the Cranks is something that you haven't seen, that's why this, that they decided to skip Christmas one year. That's why Christmas with the Cranks became an instant classic. It's based actually on a book written by John Grisham, believe it or not, called Skipping Christmas. And what's going on underneath as we go through this movie today, what's going on underneath, it, underneath this movie is two things. The first one is that Luther, the, the man, Tim Allen, decided that he would add up what they spend on Christmas. 
And, and it added up to $6,000. And, and you should probably check because you'd probably be surprised as well. And he realized that if they didn't do any of that, what they could do is they could go on a really nice cruise, which is also true, by the way, and nothing wrong with it. But that was just the idea he came up with to escape the fact that there was change going on in their family that Christmas. Probably like there's change going on in every one of our families this Christmas. This is the first year for them that, that their only daughter, Blair, is not going to be around. She's joined the Peace Corps, and she's going to Peru. And so she's not going to be there. And I can tell you as empty nesters, I can tell you that it's hard to be away from them, and, and it's great at the same time. And I'll never forget the year that our Charlie was our only grandchild at that point, and he was 14 months old. No, I guess he, we, had, we had Livy by that time, but he was 14 months old, and he was so adorable, and he was in England because it was Christmas, because his, his grandparents live in England. And I'll never forget that. I mean, sometimes change just gets thrown at you. And that was part of the reason that we did California Thanksgiving, so that we could all make it easier because you, sometimes you just have to roll with the holidays and how things go. Change is going to happen. It may be happening for some of you in some really drastic ways this Christmas, all right? I mean, maybe it's a lot worse than not being able to be around somebody that you love. Maybe it's a divorce that's going on. Maybe you've got an illness going on in your family. Maybe it is you. Maybe this is going to be the first year you're going to be without somebody that you know won't ever be back again. Everyone deals with Christmas in very, very different ways, and Christmas seems to magnify that. The problem is Luther and Nora in the movie made a decision to go on a cruise instead of celebrating Christmas, which is fine, except the way they did it, they ended up completely trying to skip Christmas. They ended up trying, deciding to be selfish and blow everyone else off and became a little bit like Scrooge in the process. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to say there's nothing wrong with deciding to spend less money on Christmas. You know your kids are going to play with the boxes more than the toys anyway. But what happens to us when, when, we, start, when we start to deal with change and deal with it in an unhealthy way is that sometimes we lose sight of what's really important. And that's the theme of this movie. And it's an easy thing to have happen at the time when we celebrate the thing that is the most important. Okay, It started in the very beginning, so it should not be a surprise. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, by no means are least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. All right, you probably read that before. You probably get that. I'm not sure that you understand the significance of this. All right? the, the, the religious leaders are in Jerusalem, and they know immediately where Christmas is supposed to be. They know what the point is supposed to be. And there is no record of any of them bothering going to Bethlehem to check it out for themselves. 
So like, I'm not, I'm not sure how often Magi from the east come to Jerusalem. I'm not sure how many of them, if they did before, had been looking for the Messiah, which is like the big thing for the Jewish religion. Maybe it happened all the time. It just strikes me that these religious leaders, that Bethlehem is so close. It's five miles away. You need to understand this. If you read that before and you thought, well, they didn't want to make the journey. No, they can see it. It's down the hill right over there. How could they have missed the point so bad? It's five miles away. It's right there. And these wise men show up and they say, <laughs> I mean, you've heard the story too many times, guys. Think about this. They, they, they say, I haven't even started following the star. Okay, they're, they're astrologers. They don't follow the, the God of, of Judaism. They're astrologers. They're like, we've been following the star and, 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 and we three kings from Orient are bearing gifts. We traveled so far. And they have gold, Okay. What religious leader's interest isn't piqued a little bit by a guy with a bag full of gold? I mean, if Doreen calls up from the office one day and says, hey, there's a dude down here looking for Jesus and he has a bag of gold, do you think I'm going to pause my meeting maybe and go down and help the guy? I mean, come on. One of my favorites, guy calls up one day, he talks to the receptionist, he said, hey, I want to talk to the head hog at the trough. Receptionist says, I'm sorry, what? He said, I want to talk to the head hog at the trough. And she said, sir, uh, uh, do you mean our senior pastor? He said, yeah, I want to talk to the head hog at the trough. And she said, well, uh, sir, if you want to talk to our pastor, you're going to have to address him a little more respectfully. He said, well, just, 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 just tell him I got a million dollars I want to give to the capital campaign. She said, well, just a minute. Put him on hold. Called up. Said, hey, there's somebody down here. Um, with the million dollars, wants to donate to the capital campaign. He said, I'll be right down. She hung up the phone and said, big pig will be right here. <laughs> I mean, those wise men on their pilgrimage, they're, they're like, they, they, they scare King Herod enough that he decides to kill all of the babies in the vicinity to try to wipe out the threat of the point. Are you with me? And so wise men are coming from afar. The king is so upset that he's literally committing genocide. You got to know they've heard about shepherds and they missed the point. They skipped Christmas. See, they knew all the right verses. They were just too busy to go searching for a new king. And, and here's what's really important for you to understand. It's very simple to know the Bible and miss the king. It's very simple to be a religious person and this is a problem that we all run into being in the United States of America. If you live at, watch me online, you're, you're off the hook. But, but we celebrate Christmas around here a lot. And it's so easy for all of the trappings to be going on all along, all around us, and that we miss the complete point of what the whole thing is supposed to be about. I mean, these are the religious leaders and the scholars that are supposed to be studying this stuff. Again, they've heard about the shepherds probably by this time. They've heard about the wise men and the star, and not one of them bothers to even go see if it's true. The ones who should have been the most excited. And we all know that it's possible to be completely religious and completely clueless at the same time, right? But here's what I want you to know. It's possible to get lost in the rituals. This is what happened to the cranks, and it's what happened to the, to the religious leaders. It's easy to get lost in the rituals and miss the point of Christmas. It's possible to be sucked into the rituals and have no idea that the whole point of this whole thing was that God loved you so much that he sent his son all the way down to the earth to be a little baby 
so that he could be on your level and he could grow up and he could be one of you and he could die for you so that your sins could be wiped out and you could live forever. And that was what the Jewish leaders had been studying this for all of their life. And yet all the signs pointed to it right here. There it was. Here you go. And they completely missed it. Why wouldn't they just go to Bethlehem? I mean, I don't know. What about us? True story from the birth of flight in 1903 in December, a telegram came from Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, from Orville and Wilbur Wright to their sister back in Dayton, Ohio. And, and it was, you know, telegram. It was like short sentence. It said, first sustained flight in history, 59 seconds. Hope to be home for Christmas. Their sister immediately went to the newspaper. You know, that's how the news got out at that point. Gave it to the newspaper. Several days later, buried inside a a, a, a middle page in very small type was a headline that said, local bicycle dealers hope to be home for the holidays. (laughs) He'd missed one of the most pivotal events of our time. He, He didn't get the point. And part of the problem, I think, for these religious leaders is that it had become about expectations, okay? Hang with me because this is really important. This is an important part of the movie and an important part of why we get Christmas all messed up. It's about expectations because for the religious leaders, it was about don't do this. It was about do, do this. And it had been passed down for so long that they didn't even really know what was right and what was wrong. They were just following the system. And this is what we do at Christmas. It is possible to get lost in other people's expectations and miss the point of Christmas. Watch. Can I just point out that if your daughter's favorite Christmas meat comes out of a can and does not need to be refrigerated, that you have already failed as a parent. (laughs) Spam, 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 spam. Maybe, Maybe the reason so many people miss out on the meaning and purpose of Christmas is because of other people's expectations. In case you didn't follow the movie, what happens is as they're getting ready to go on the cruise, Claire calls back up and says she's coming home. So they're scrambling to try to put Christmas back together, you know, in an eight-hour period while she's in between Atlanta and home getting back from Peru. And they're trying to put it all together. But the real problem is other people's expectations. It is possible, again, to get lost in other people's expectations and miss the point of Christmas. When traditions become obligations, we can lose the reason for the season. And when we used to do it for some fun, but then it becomes a drag, and you got to ask yourself, who is it that you're trying to please? Let me go back to the religious leaders. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw, I wrote about this in my book, this coming out, saw that some of his disciples were eating food with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed, okay? It wasn't that they didn't wash their hands, they didn't wash their hands a certain way, Okay. The Pharisees and the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live in accordance with the, teachers of the, with the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? And he replied, Isaiah was right. I love Jesus. I re- Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Oh, there's a Christmas passage for us. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and you're holding on to human traditions. What started in the right spirit became a burden. The why is more important than the what, but oftentimes at this time of year, 
we forget what it's all about. So I just got to stop and ask you, why is it that you do what you do, that you host what you host or plan what you plan or buy what you buy or attend what you attend? Why is it that, that you have to keep what you keep? Why can't you toss what you need to toss? What I want to give you today as we begin the month of December is, is the freedom to free Frosty, okay? G- give him to the neighbors. You don't have to put him on your roof. Just, you don't have to, you can take him outside and plug him in on the ground. Why does he have to go on the roof? Get off the roof, Clark. You don't need to do this, okay? Are you with me? You can take a picture of this if you want. I want to encourage you to give yourself permission to kill Frosty this year, okay? You, you, you don't have, well, we've always had Frosty on the roof. Well, so what? I mean, what, what, is, it, is, that, is that going to help you? I mean, I, I got to tell you, I live, I live with Christmas woman. Okay, I mean, I, I promise you that there is nobody more crazy about Christmas than my wife. If you saw my video I posted today, you see that I already blew up the mantle because I, I broke her whole willow tree nativity thing, and, and, and I'm already in a whole bunch of trouble, okay? But she, I mean, like, I promise you, 27 boxes I get out of the attic every year at Christmas and, and help her put everything up. And, and, and what used to happen to us, this is just so dumb, I'm just trying to help you with your holiday, okay? For some reason, she got it in her mind that, that, that Italian stuffed shells is what we should have on Christmas Eve. We're, we're not Italian. I don't, know, I don't know why. I don't know where it came from. But it was like, this is what happened. And, and, you know, it's like one of those deals. It was like a really good meal. And so, well, let's do it again next year. And then what is it? It is a tradition. A- except that my wife used to lead our worship programming. And she used to be involved in all of the worship Eve, uh, Christmas Eve services. And it became really, really crazy until one day she realized that she could freeze the meal ahead of time. That's all it took to make Christmas Eve go completely different was to realize, I mean, I say order pizza, but she wants to do the stuffed shells. She can do the stuffed shells in the middle of December when she's got time and freeze them and bam, there it is. Listen, you got to understand, we've had to free Frosty in our lives, the Harlow's lives, a million different ways. We never have Christmas on Christmas. Christmas is on December 27th every year. I know that's not Jesus' official birthday, but that's when our kids can get into town because they all work for churches and they have the same weird schedule that we do. So we do it on December 27th. You know what? Santa seems to understand. He makes a special trip. He only works one day a week anyway, or one day a year anyway, right? He makes a special trip on the night of December 26th, comes to our house for our grandkids, and everything works out just fine. Okay? I want to remind you in the middle of this movie, I wanted to remind you of some things that, that we all learned together a couple of months ago in the Overwhelmed series. Okay? If you didn't hear that, you really ought to go back and listen to it. It did me a lot of good just to go back and look at what we said all over again. Jesus said, again, I have come to bring life and life to the full. Not a full life, but life to the full. So what do you think that Jesus thinks about the way that we get so stressed out about his birthday. I mean, even as a church, we've had to wrestle with that, okay? I mean, we don't, we don't, we used to have a candlelight Christmas Eve. My favorite service of the year was the candlelight Christmas Eve service that we would have at the very end of Christmas Eve. 
We'd have it at like 11 o'clock. Most of you grew up Catholic, had that midnight mass thing. And I got to tell you, that was always a wonderful time. You know, kids were all in bed, just mostly grown-ups there. And, and back in our own little building over there, we used to all gather around in a big circle and hold hands and, and do the candle lighting. But you know what? It was just too, it was too hard once we started adding services and services and services, and it became the least attended. And so we have to try to fit things in the way that we, that we make them go. We have the best birthday party for Jesus that we can. And then we won't have any services the weekend after Christmas at all. I mean, we're going to put stuff online, but we're going to go into the birthday cake sugar crash and take the weekend off, all of us, all right? Because we've learned how to not be overwhelmed. You've got to just figure out how to make it happen. Again, from that message, I said, look carefully. This is what Paul said, not as, uh, as the unwise, but as the wise, making the best use of your time. Matter of fact, I thought, I'm just going to run you through these again. If you remember the sermon, again, go back if you didn't hear it, the juggling sermon I did. I looked at this again and I thought, man, we need to hear this at Christmas time. This is what it's all about. You should not juggle more than you can handle. All right? That's just all there is to it. You cannot let other people add to your juggling. I had somebody try to throw balls in while I was juggling and it doesn't work very well. You have to be most careful with the most precious things that you juggle. And the things that you're juggling do not all have equal value. So if you can't get the hickory honey ham, it really probably isn't going to matter. And if you don't have time to make the Italian stuffed shells, it really probably isn't going to matter. And if you have to give somebody a picture of the present that you ordered online because it didn't come in on time, it's probably not going to matter. If I'm juggling all these things, I've got to think about what's the priority and what's really important. And the only way that we get to the want-to stuff is to get rid of some of the have-to stuff. The great ending of the movie is about how the neighbors that they've been blowing off and skipping Christmas and spraying their cats and, you know, turning them into ice sculptures all come back together because Christmas is about community. And they pulled off a great Christmas party for Blair and Enrique, her Peruvian boyfriend, that she brought back with her without spending $6,000. And, of course, they did kill Frosty. But in the end, Luther Crank's heart is finally softened and he realizes that that neighbor he's always feuded with is the guy who could use the cruise tickets that he can't use now that Blair's come home because his wife has cancer and might not get another chance. Watch this. To me, that, uh, that scene in the end reminds me, this, this whole movie to me reminds me of the contrast between what's going on in, in, in the first Christmas, what's going on in Jerusalem, and what's going on in Bethlehem. Because to me, that scene at the end is what I think Bethlehem really looked like in contrast to what was going on. Again, let me remind you, it's possible to get lost in the rituals. That's what was going on in Jerusalem and miss the point of Christmas. It's also possible to get lost in other people's expectations and miss the point of Christmas. But that wasn't happening in Bethlehem. And honestly, you know what? I, 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 did, I talked about this last year. I think we screwed up the Christmas story with this whole no room at the end translation, which was not right. 
there were people around. The, the animals were in a home. There was a manger. It was in a home. We made this whole thing up. And if you haven't heard my theory on that, I don't need to blow the whole thing up for you. But here's what I do know. I think there was a party in Bethlehem. I don't think that the nativity scene is right, that it's off in a barn somewhere and that nobody's around. These are Mary and Joseph's family in Bethlehem. I think there's an impromptu party. I know there were wise men. They came later, but I know they were there. I know that there were shepherds there. And what impresses me about the difference in the first Christmas story is the difference between the religious leaders who should have known and Mary, who got chosen to be the one to know who was most important and what was most important. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be, the, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. And Mary's response was, um, this sounds like a big change in plans. And, and, and it, it probably didn't make sense with other people's expectations. And it probably didn't make sense in, in, the, in the way that Mary had her life all planned out for herself going forward. But her response to a change of plans in Christmas was, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God for no word from God will ever fail. And the reason there is a Hail Mary play in football is because she said, I am the Lord's servant. This is a change of plans. This isn't what I had all figured out. This isn't the way we've always done it. But may it be to me as you have spoken. Because sometimes, especially at Christmas time, you just got to know stuff's going to happen and plans are going to change. And maybe all you can do is throw the ball really deep into the end zone and pray. Maybe all you can do is say, well, I don't understand this, and it's not the way we've always done it, and I don't understand how it's going to fit in with how I thought life was going to be, but may it be to me as you have spoken. Just don't let selfishness creep in, whether it's self-imposed or it's because of others' expectations. If there's a change in plans, roll with it. And please don't miss the five-mile walk over to Bethlehem to realize the point of the whole thing. Somebody wrote 1 Corinthians 13 for us in Christmas language. If you haven't ever heard this very famous passage out of the Bible, it's used in weddings a lot. I like this translation. If I decorate my house perfectly with plaid bows, strands of twinkling lights, and shiny balls, but do not show love, I'm just a decorator. If I slave away in the kitchen, baking dozens of Christmas cookies, preparing gourmet meals, and arranging beautifully adorned tables at mealtime, but do not show love, I'm just another cook. If I work at the soup kitchen, carol in the nursing home, and give all I have to charity, but do not show love to my family, it profits me nothing. 
If I trim the tree with shimmering angels and crocheted snowflakes and attend a myriad of holiday parties but do not focus on the beauty of God becoming a baby, then I have missed the point. Love stops the cooking to hug the child. Love sets aside decorating to kiss the spouse. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not envy another's home that has coordinated Christmas china and table linens that are better than yours. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It doesn't yell at the kids to get out of the way, but it's thankful that they're there to be in the way. Love doesn't give only to those who are able to give in return, but rejoices in giving to those who can't. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Video games will break. Necklaces will be lost. Golf clubs will rust. But the gift of love will always remain. God, just be with us because... It's so easy for us to fall into this trap. It's, it's, it's the trap of what other people think should happen or it's the trap of what we think should happen and the trap of, of, of realizing that the point is out there and we're missing it. The point is to love you and to love our neighbor as ourself. That is the point. The point is that you came down from heaven to earth to show us how to live and you weren't ever worried about the traditions. You weren't ever worried uh, about how it looked to other people. You weren't ever worried about other people's expectations. You just showed us how to love. And Lord, I pray today that if there are people who need to hear that message, that in the simplicity of, of Christmas, as we celebrate together, as we are going to take communion together, that you will come into this place and come into their hearts and let the most important thing happen. Lord, let this be Bethlehem and not Jerusalem today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.